Hi everyone, this is Dr. Michael Wald, and you're listening to Ask the Blood Detective. This is a radio show that will teach you how to think like a blood detective. In other words, a health detective. Because how can you evaluate information that's out there, uh, whether it's in the, the health field or any other field, unless you have the uh, you know, a method of thinking so that when you approach something, you can get the best out of it. So for example, if I teach you something about, uh, let's say, vitamin B12, and then I send you to an all-day seminar that's only about B12, because you have some background, you can relate to it a bit differently. If you had completely no knowledge in vitamin B12 and you were thrust into a long course on B12, that might be a bit intimidating. There wouldn't be that connection. So Ask the Blood Detective is about teaching you ways of thinking and evaluating about your health so you can make the very best health choices possible. For those of you that don't know me, again, my name is Dr. Michael Wald. And uh, a quick background, I went to chiropractic school. I'm a second generation uh, doctor of chiropractic. And then I earned my master's degree in nutrition, my PhD in nutrition, my naturopathic degree. I went to medical school. Uh, and currently I'm completing an acupuncture uh, certification. So I like to learn, why? Because I want the most widest breadth of background of information in natural health so that, as I just explained, when I'm exposed to a patient, I get the most out of it. I can hear things better because I simply have more education. I have thought more about certain things. So when someone says something to me about their health and it lands on top of this vast background of relatedness of education, I, I simply find that I'm a better doctor. So having said that, I'd like to make you all maybe a little bit better than you are now, that's my hope, uh, in the area of weight loss and weight maintenance. Now, I've done a show on weight loss before, and I think it's quite good. Uh, you'll find that on my website at drmichaelwald.com. And just go to the search bar on the homepage and just put in weight loss and it'll pop up. If you want to scroll through a lot of my radio shows, you can go to the blog section and you'll see all the radio shows listed. Just click on the title or yet again, put it into the search bar on the homepage, whatever concept you're concerned about or want more information about. And again, it should pop up. Uh, you can email me your show ideas or questions about this or any radio show that I've done in the past at info at blooddetective.com. So the email is info at blooddetective.com. The website is drmichaelwald.com. Or you can call me if you want to schedule with me uh, as a patient, either through Zoom or in person or on the phone at 914-552-1442. Okay, so let's get to it. When we're talking about weight loss, let's first start by defining it beyond the obvious. A person wants to lose weight. A person generally, at least the patients I see, want to lose fat. And that's pretty much their orientation. Now, this is important that you hear this. If you are aware that there is something in the body called lean mass, and there's something else in the body called water, then if someone said to you, what does weight loss mean to you? You wouldn't simply say burning of fat or loss of fat. You would say some sort of balance between fat burning and lean mass and water in the body. <laughs> Do you see how a little bit of education has you think entirely differently, much more deeply, more correctly, so you get long-term health results? This is all about your health. 
And for those of you that are well in every way, shape, or form, as far as you can tell, good for you. But you have an opportunity there to not fall into the trap of because you have no symptoms, that you're healthy. Or because you're of normal weight for your height and your ethnicity, uh, that you really do have the proper balance of fat, lean mass, and water. So I was speaking with a patient this morning and she said to me, you know, I really just don't understand it because I'm overweight and I just don't eat a lot. And I said, tell me what you had yesterday and today. She was able to come up with her food plan and there was hardly anything there. And she says, I just don't understand it. I said, well, one thing we do know is that your weight gain and your inability to lose weight, because she's tried and tried and tried, has nothing to do with the small amount of calories that you're taking in for you. In fact, you might be gaining weight for just that reason. You deny yourself food and calories, you shut down those fat-burning engines and metabolic rate, and you actually gain fat. You know, short of starving herself for long periods of time, which would eventually end up in weight loss, we obviously want to do this in a healthy way. So it is not merely, this is another distinction that we are drawing here on Ask the Blood Detective, that it is not merely the calories in and then the calories burned. So what we eat is a factor, obviously. For some people, they feel that a plant-based diet is the best diet for their weight loss and they've gotten results. Now, another person, I've seen many people, in fact, that are on plant-based diets, given their health problems, like one person had depression, the plant-based diet was too deficient in protein. And he wasn't getting enough protein to make the neurotransmitters, which are made from proteins, proteins break down into amino acids, amino acids from the diet control 80% of the neurotransmitters in the brain for mood elevation. And then another person, may have tried an Atkins diet, the traditional Atkins diet, and some of those individuals lose weight for the short term, but they do risk their health in other ways. Increase in gallstones, increase heart attacks. I mean, Dr. Atkins himself had a heart attack and then sadly slipped on the, in the snow and ice, and uh, that's how we lost him. But my point is that the people that I've seen who stick with these rigid diets, which some of them seem pretty healthy on the surface. Again, a vegan diet, maybe a vegetarian diet, a plant-based diet. Um, if they don't know what their physiology needs overall, they're going to find over and over and over again, this is what I've seen over 31 years of doing this, that they, they lose weight at one point and then they gain it all back, generally speaking, plus more. And most of them still think it was their fault. They did something wrong, which in most cases is not true. It's just that the, the diet was faulty or it may have actually worked, but it was too rigid for a person to keep up with for their life. You see, what I try to do with people and for myself is to develop a way of living, which includes a way of eating, that is doable, that is for the most part enjoyable, and accounts for a person's individual needs. 
Now let's say, imagine yourself, we figure out this ideal, idealized, personalized health and weight maintenance plan for you. And let's say you lose weight, everything's good. And then all of a sudden, a year later, two years later, things start to change. You start to gain weight. Some of your other health problems start to slip back in to different extents. Well, that's to be expected because your physiology change, changes, you're aging. There are other stress factors. Maybe you're on medications. The point is we change over time, right? Life is impermanent. Life is ever-changing. Nothing is static. And we need to accept that truth of life and then we need to conform to it. Go with the flow, you've all heard that. But these distinctions, although I'm sure you understand them intellectually, are almost never applied by people. One of the reasons, let me know if you agree with this by emailing me at info at blooddetective.com, many people seem to have the hardest time either beginning something new for themselves that's healthy and or maintaining that. There's a few reasons why they fail in their endeavors. One, they just don't have the right professional support. I had a person I saw several days ago who said to me, I've been to so many people and I try to get through to them and I have questions and I get frustrated and then I quit and here I am again and I'm afraid the same thing's gonna happen. And I said to him, first of all, I can guarantee you the same thing will not happen for a few reasons. Number one, you just told me what it is you were afraid of and you, and, and you also told me in the same breath what it is you, you need. So the first thing that I ask my clients and then I ask it many times during our conversations is, what do you need? What do you think you need in terms of support to, to make this all happen for you the way that you want to in your like wildest dreams. They say, well, I need family support because I try to eat healthy at home and not everyone does and it's a problem and we figure out a strategy there. And then they say all kinds of different things and then I say, how about this? How about my support? How about I give you my cell number and you text me whenever you have a question, concern, you're shopping, you wanna know, should you be eating this and let me know because I will be there for you to make this happen so that we can establish healthy habits. Now, folks, by healthy habits, I don't merely mean food choices. Those are part of them and other lifestyle choices. But we need to adapt a healthy mindset, not some temporary mindset that has you begin something and you're excited and it's happening and then all of a sudden you're back into your old patterns. You must recognize if you want any change in your health, whether it's weight loss, dealing with an autoimmune disease, dealing with a neurologic disease, a gastrointestinal problem, whatever the health issue is, we must, we basically have to brainwash your brain of all the nonsense and wrong thinking patterns that have you make wrong choices. Because when you transform your thinking and you are excited and you develop a passion around life, for example, then you want to participate in life in a passionate way. And it stands to reason that you might take on lifestyle habits that support that. And then they must be reinforced. And there are all sorts of ways that that happens and I help patients do that. 
there are too many of them to even begin to discuss here, although I've already begun, actually, and I will say some more uh, during the course of the show. And a lot of the concepts that we're going to cover today and that we've already covered, I'm going to repeat them in different ways so that your brain can start to transform its thinking a bit. I hope that I can say some things that really stick with you. And if you think about those things enough, just like if you think of, for example, a few days ago, when I wake up in the morning, I have an intention for my day, which means that there's a way that I want to be as a human being in my life uh, that um, makes me happy and makes others happy. So my theme for the day was gratitude. So every encounter that I had, I came from gratitude. And let me tell you, not only do people notice it, on the cab ride, I was recently out of state, I was in a lift car, and I was talking to a gentleman, and we had about a 50-minute ride to the airport, and at first he was a bit quiet, and then I said something to him, uh, like I may have complimented how clean his car was, and he started to talk. We got into a very deep uh, political and health conversation, and when we approached the airport, I said, it was really nice speaking with you. He says, that was such a fantastic conversation. I had such a wonderful time. Take care of yourself. You really made a difference in my day. And he made a difference in my day. I'm like all choked up thinking about it because we're just people and I just want to, well, I appreciate people. So a lot of, a lot of that comes from your intention and where you start, what your filter is. So when it comes to weight loss, back to the topic of the show, we need to come from a place of passion and focus. And I've said this before in past shows because where focus goes, energy flows. Where focus goes, energy flows. And if energy is flowing in the right direction, which reinforces your passion, then weight loss attempts slash health attempts, they're not merely tasks. They're conditions for the fulfillment of the life that you want. Okay, let's get back to, as Nacho Libre said in that movie, he said, let's get back to the nitty gritty. <laughs> I love that movie. Okay, inflammation. Lots of my patients very surprised when I remind them that inflammation is a cause of weight gain. It's a major cause of weight gain. And the woman I mentioned earlier on who said that she just doesn't understand how, you know, she's not losing weight and she hardly eats, uh, she had a, and has a condition of a hyperhistamine, hyperhistamine release. And histamine is a pro-inflammatory compound. And inflammation, and think about this, folks. Inflammation is a chemical language. There's chemical compounds called cytokines, leukotrienes, interferons. Some of these have inflammatory behaviors. And that, la that language of inflammation literally and biochemically goes to fat cells and makes them grow. That's why you've heard of the anti-inflammatory diet. But the anti-inflammatory diet for one person is not going to work for another person. It depends on how their bodies manage things. So there are ways, there are tests, uh, there are questionnaires that help me figure that out. So what we eat, we know, to review here for a moment, has some bearing, obviously, on health and uh, weight loss, but it needs to be based upon one's chemistry. 
Let's spend a few minutes on that. Now, you've heard of type A diets and all that. Blood type diets are nonsense. Uh, not only is there no science behind them, I know for a fact they're nonsense because I've seen dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of individuals that try this diet. Some of them lose weight initially. They all gain it back. And let me just correct my statement slightly. Maybe not all of them. There's a couple that just for statistical reasons, maybe keep their weight off. But I have seen these patients, I have looked at their chemistries during the time they were on these diets and their chemistry gets completely uh, affected in an adverse way. Why should we rely anyway on a single compound, a, a blood type, a single piece of chemistry and categorize the entire population into roughly four blood types when we have hundreds of biochemical parameters that we can look in a person's chemistry to figure this out better. That's what I call the blood detective approach. So one of the first things that I do before I do much of anything else with someone that wants to lose weight once and for all is I look at many different factors of the biochemistry. They'll either provide me with their lab tests or I'll uh, do the, draw the blood myself and, and order some lab tests. And I compare sometimes 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 different pieces of chemistry to healthy normals. Remember what I've said before? That the regular blood test that you get, like a Quest lab test or an Enzo or AccuReference, whatever the lab is, doesn't matter. Everyone has their reference ranges, right? For glucose and calcium and everything, cholesterol, etc. And those ranges are based on average people studies. So when people go to donate blood, uh, and as long as they don't have AIDS or Lyme disease or related uh, infections uh, or uh, chronic anemia, they can donate blood. And that goes into the national data bank, all the results, and, if, and then there are averages that are produced from, for all the different lab tests. And then ranges come up that you're compared to. You're not compared to healthy people. You're compared to average people. And usually in every lab, tech, uh, lab uh, textbook, it says it in the first chapter uh, or, uh, that this is how it's done. So this is not some holistic idea. That's how it's done. But I have put together healthy ranges that are found mostly in the medical and nutrition literature that are based upon studies of healthy individuals. Now, if I compare your laboratory work to a healthy person, there may be more abnormalities, more abnormal tests, than if I compare you to an average person. With that distinction, with that blood detective detail that goes further and further, you can tailor a healthy lifestyle to someone that's much more doable than if you compare them to average people. So if you just don't have enough information on someone's chemistry for weight loss, you kind of have to say to a person, you know, eliminate all of this stuff. But if you know their chemistry, you can say, these are the things you need to eliminate, cut down, combine properly, etc., And it gets, it just gets the work done. So that's just a little bit about the biochemistry. And of course, there are specific parts of the biochemistry that are probably more or less important than others. And we're going to hit those very soon. And then, of course, again, to reiterate, we've talked about the mindset. 
Most people fail in any of their health endeavors or any other area in their life because of their mindset. Um, so it's very important to notice that. And I try to help my patients through my coaching skills to what areas of their personality and how they operate are keeping them from getting where they want to go. Once you distinguish out these areas, for example, I had a woman. Well, I'll complete the sentence. Once you distinguish out these areas, you can then classify them, notice them and say, okay, how can I deal with that limiting problem right there? So I was sitting with a woman yesterday and she said, among other things, that she hates exercise. So I just need to let you know right now, Dr. Wald, I, I hate exercise. And then she started going to something else and said, please stop. Because I wouldn't be doing her any justice by letting her get away with that. So I said to her, why do you hate exercise? So she thought about it for a second. She says, I don't, I don't really know. I just don't like it. I said, okay. So do you think, I said to her, that that, that perspective will keep you from losing weight? And she says, yes, yes, absolutely. I said, so would it be worth it to you if we dealt with that so that we can get past it and then you can embrace exercise, but in a way and at the right time so that it's maybe not the most enjoyable thing for you, but you do recognize that it's a means to an end and your perspective about it might change. She says, that, that sounds reasonable. And she was kind of angry sounding initially when she talked about the exercise thing. And then she, that all just went away. So we created an opening in just a minute or two that had us, gave us the opening to transform her way of thinking. You know, I, I've mentioned b before on earlier shows that, you know, in my, in my early days of running, um, I, I hated it. I just didn't like running. But it's a strange thing for me because from age about 15, 16, I just found myself running. I, I just would run. Um, and sometimes very long distances. Uh, maybe it was a stress reduction for me. It was a completely unconscious thing. I'd find myself running. I mean, I was aware that I'm like, okay, I'm going to go run now. But I didn't question myself. Um, but I didn't really like running. So at some point in my, my mid-30s, I was running on a, on a trail, a beautiful trail, that had run on hundreds of times before. But this time, this one day, something different happened. I was running and quite fast and a large deer jutted right in front of me, stopped for a millisecond and then jumped off. It couldn't have been more than a foot from me. And of course I was shocked. My heart was like going like crazy. And I, and I took off on the trail and I was really tired too, right before this. And I um, saw this, Dear, do this. I started to, to run and my heart rate was so high that I was able to run faster and still feel good. And then I found myself smiling. And I was thinking, I said, what, what am I smiling about? And then I looked around at this beautiful trail with this canopy of trees over me and to each side and that this beautiful animal had been so close to me. And then as I was running along, I, I may have been 
10 more miles past that, I saw a family of turtles, a big mama turtle and three little baby turtles walking on the side of the lake. It was the cutest thing. And I started to associate all of that with the running. And even when I didn't see or experience the deer or the turtles or what have you, um, I, was, I was happy to run. And I start off with a little smile on my face every time. And I thank my legs and my body and the universe for allowing me to do it. So that was a transformation in thinking that also allowed me to go to an entirely different level of not only running, but health on so many different levels. Of course, your breakthrough, your insights might be different from mine or any of my patients, but they're available to us. Okay, so we've talked about inflammation. We've said how we eat obviously matters. We're going to talk more about that. Let's talk about digestion. What, what role does digestion have with weight loss? Well, as you might imagine, the digestive tract is where you break down food. So you must consider the health of your gut when you're thinking about weight loss or anything in health, anything, right? And you know what I love to say, right, folks? You're not what you eat, you're what you absorb from what you eat and what you activate from what you eat. So if your digestive tract has inflammation, well, now you know because you have a background of relatedness here, you have some knowledge, you know that inflammation is a factor in weight loss. So you're not only gonna think about fat ever again. You might even consider your mindset. See how this works, folks? Don't, t don't just listen to this information. We need to make it stick. And one, one of the ways, just as a quick side note, to make new information stick in that brain of yours is to attach that information to something you already know. So for example, just for the sake of remembering, for example, that di the digestive tract has something to do with, with weight loss, assuming you didn't know that right until now, um, you might want to think of, well, you know, what do you like to eat that goes to your digestive tract? Like, what do you like to eat? And you might say it's strawberries. So if I ask you a question, you know, does the digestive tract have anything to do with weight loss? You'll say, well, absolutely, of course it does. I'll say, well, does your mindset? Yes, of course, I need to factor that in. How about inflammation? How about your calories? So you see what you already know? So when you hear it again, it's, you got it, you got it. All you need to do is make sure that these various factors, more or less, depending on your unique needs, are managed and accounted for in your weight loss and health efforts. Another thing, uh, another few things about digestion. Now that we've established that the digestive tract is, is part of it. So if you have an unhealthy digestive tract, then that's gonna be a problem in how you lose weight. Weight loss centers, they don't care about that. They never mention that. My patients almost never understand that until I point it out to them and they're like, oh, well, clearly that makes sense. Uh, it's just about calories in, calories out, and maybe exercise. And those are important factors to consider. But in and of themselves, for most individuals, because look at how many people are not just obese, far more are overweight. Uh, and that includes a lot of people that think, well, you know, I'm older now and I'm overweight, so that's, you know, that's normal. No, you don't ever want to be overweight. You want to have a healthy lean mass, fat water ratio. So digestion also has to do with the enzymes that your digestive tract produces. So 
I might use digestive enzymes to help a person digest their protein, carbohydrates, and fats, which they might not have been digesting before ideally, maybe because of their age or health problems and other reasons, maybe eating under stress, for example, how mindset affects that. And digestive enzymes not only help break down your foods, but they help reduce inflammatory mediators in circulation, which means they also reduce leaky gut, which just about everyone has. And you're not gonna fix that by just throwing some probiotics at someone. Another factor in the digestive tract that has to do with one's ability to lose weight and keep it off and keep off the right weight would be hormones. So when you eat food, it is a neurohormonal event among other things. So that you eat a food, let's say a carbohydrate, like carrots, and you have to have a, a hormonal reaction where there's blood glucose rising from the carrots, so the pancreas must secrete insulin, and then glucagon is also increased, and then growth hormone might respond, etc. So sometimes with weight loss efforts, I must focus on the patient's hormonal imbalances. Very important. And also, the nervous system. I, I mentioned that the digestive process is a neurohormonal process. That means the nervous system is involved. The nervous system, the brain and spinal cord, and then the, the nerves that come off the spinal cord and go to the intestinal tract, and the associated organs of digestion, like the pancreas, for example, um, must be focused on in different people because if the nervous system is adversely affected, the digestive tract can be affected. So no matter what your food intake issues may be, even if you get it all right, whatever that is, it won't translate past a dysfunctional gastrointestinal tract. That's just a fact. So the nervous system, for example, uh, might be dysfunctional in anyone over age 50, um, statistically more people over 50, but absolutely people under 50. And if the nervous system doesn't respond correctly, neurohormonally speaking, see, you, you understand that now, right? Great. Neurohormonally speaking, then the nervous system that goes to the pancreas won't give the right message for the production of the right enzymes to break down your foods properly so that your body's metabolism metabolic rate can be handled based upon that. So nutrition for your weight loss and maintenance might have to do with actually supporting your nervous system. And I, I promise you, Weight Watchers isn't going that deep. You understand? You need to, what I like to say is a person needs what they need for their needs. So you or your wife or your brother or your cousin or whomever, they have completely different biochemistries, completely different mental um, you know, insights and completely different dietary patterns and completely different levels of inflammation and completely different functions of their nervous system that need to be managed. And we have the technology and common sense to do that now. Okay, so we talked about enzymes, hormones, and the nervous system regarding digestion and weight loss. We talked about calories in and calories out is just not enough. We must always account for inflammation and there are different types of inflammation. So someone, a patient will say to me, Dr. Walt, I heard that turmeric is, it's the best thing, it's the best anti-inflammatory. I said, that depends on which inflammatory markers you're talking about. Vitamin C is better for others. Uh, Omega-3 fatty acids is better for others. So 
There isn't any one thing that's the magic bullet. I wish life was that easy, but it just isn't. And that's okay. Makes it fun. <laughs> okay. Um, and then we have to talk also about food types. So protein, carbohydrates, and fats are called macromolecules. Those are the big n- nutritional things in the diet. And then the little ones that are super important, of course, too, uh, is the micronutrients, like vitamins and minerals. So if you have an imbalance of the protein, carbohydrates, and fats that you're absorbing and utilizing, not just eating, but absorbing and utilizing, then there's going to be a metabolic problem that will result in a side effect of fat gain. So for different people, I will suggest different ratios of certain foods for them to eat. Now, usually, and this is important for you to hear, usually weight loss efforts take a little bit more at the beginning until we can sift through the which things are more important than others that you're doing. And then the goal is to make them pretty seamless so that you can just live a way that works. Okay? But I don't want people to get the wrong idea. It's not super easy at the beginning. If it, if it were, I guess everyone would do it, as they say, right? There are a few people it's easy, but, you know, anything that's hard at first, if you keep hitting it, becomes easy or easier. You know, when I first ran my first marathon, I thought I was going to die. <laughs> but when I ran a few of them, um, they were a joy. I would start to research the streets that the marathon was going to take me through. And as I was running, I would remember all the things I'm looking at in the buildings and when was that building made? And this was the first building where the, all of that just amazing history. And it made it a joy, a joy to run the marathon. Maybe not the last three miles because that was, that was hell, but you get it. And then there's food combining. What is that? So if you eat, and this is, this is actually a true uh, bit of fact right here. If you eat fruit with pretty much anything else, carbohydrates and proteins, those are, a, a, that's a very bad uh, combination of things, generally speaking. However, if you were to eat certain non-starchy vegetables with certain fats and oils, like asparagus and beets and broccoli and Brussels sprouts, they work very well with avocado oil and coconut oil, uh, nut oils, okay? And if you were to combine other types of carbohydrates, like beans and brown rice and let's say potatoes and squash with um, radishes and spinach and scallions and tomatoes, they work very, very well digestively, very well, excellently. But if you want just a And then there's good combinations of foods like certain breads and certain oils. So uh, the point I'm trying to make is that it can be um, dramatically helpful if and when I identify with a person which foods combine better for them based upon what I've learned about their digestive tracts based on questionnaires and my conversation with them and certain lab tests. So that's a factor for some people, folks, not all people. Not all people need to pay attention to food combining. One other thing about food combining. Food combining means that if you combine certain foods with certain other foods, 
they may not work well together. So let's say a food that needs a digestive pH of four and another one needs a digestive pH of nine, if you eat them at the same time, they're, they're going to compromise the pH of the digestive process and neither of those foods may necessarily get digested properly, which adds to fermentation and inflammation and leaky gut and all of the things that everyone listening now knows is just not gonna work even if the foods themselves are super healthy plant-based diet, okay? And please don't get me started on the paleo diet, okay? Well, okay, so now that I've started myself on that, we're gonna, we're gonna go down that road for 60 seconds. Paleo diet uh, doesn't exist, okay? Um, of course it doesn't exist. You know it doesn't exist because the paleo people, there were many people and they lived at all different places on the planet. Some lived near the shores, some lived inland, some lived in China, some lived other, whatever you call the places at those times. So my point is that there is no way that was a healthy way to eat for all those people in all those different areas. So there isn't, there just is not. And there certainly was any whey protein back there that I see in paleo plans. It was just marketing. And sadly, most of the population has no background of relatedness. I've used that word a few times. When I opened the show, right? I said, information that you gain, like on B12, gives you a background of relatedness. So when you're exposed to a Let's switch for a moment to allergies, right? So you've heard of food allergies, of course, right? And there's also food intolerances. A food allergy means when you eat the food, there's an immune response that happens. It's either IgE or IgG immunoglobin. And food intolerance means there's no immune response. that relates to the food problem that you might be experiencing, but there may be a digestive enzyme issue like a pancreatic enzyme insufficiency causing you not to digest, which could look just like a food allergy. You wouldn't know the difference unless you were either tested or, well, pretty much if, uh, if you would have to test to know the difference between the two. I was going to say that, you know, if you have a food that is in your diet that you feel might be the culprit causing inflammation, joint pains, you know, memory stuff, it doesn't matter what, eliminate the food, obviously, and eliminate the food for a full, a full eight days. And then at the end of that time, preferably with the, with the supervision of someone who can help you in the case of an adverse reaction, um, introduce the food again and note if it precipitates your symptoms. Uh, if it is part, if it is the culprit, then it will make your symptoms worse and your symptoms will get better when you had eliminated the food in the first place. So it's important, at least for me, I feel it's very important that when I'm trying to figure out uh, the best way for people to lose weight and keep the weight off, that we distinguish any food intolerances and or allergies that might be there. But I want to tell you something that you'll never hear really, but I did mention it on my prior allergy shows, but it's super important. If you have, and here it is, if you have inflammation in your body from anything, an ingrown toenail, uh, a tennis elbow, you know, muscles in your neck, those inflammatory mediators, they circulate and they can cause false positive food allergy tests. So I see these people including, I'm looking at the food allergy test of a person that was just in here, let me just find it, here it is, um, in here yesterday, and it cost them several hundred dollars. It tells him to eliminate everything under the sun, and no one first uh, acknowledged uh, his chronic inflammatory symptoms uh, that would have invalidated these results. So there are companies out there that educate practitioners uh, who are licensed to do uh, blood work and and proper allergy testing uh, because they want to push these tests. 
but they don't teach the doctors about the inflammatory problem that I just described to you, okay? All right. Let's talk a little bit more about hormones relative to weight loss. So we talked earlier that the digestive process is a neurohormonal process. Remember that? So you know that now. No problem. Easy. So let's talk about a few hormones that when supplemented can help many people lose weight. Now, if a person needs these hormones, by the way, and I'll let you know what they are in a minute, um, they might benefit from them even when they're not deficient on testing. And as far as testing goes, I can tell you that in most cases, there are some exceptions, folks, but most cases, testing hormones, uh, DHA, cortisol, pregnenolone, progesterone, estrogen, testosterone, they're not accurate tests. They're not very reproducible from you to another, a week from now to two weeks and a month from now. Um, so, for example, I have a video uh, when I was interviewed on Channel 11 Picks, uh, and there was an endocrinologist who was uh, interviewed uh, just after me. I was talking about uh, testosterone. He was talking about estrogen. And then we were both asked the same question by the moderator. And that question was, he said, Dr. Wald, um, how do you best test for these hormones? How do you know that you need them? And I said, testing we know is not accurate but we, we go based on clinical uh, symptoms and uh, symptoms that, depending upon what they are, they point more or less to this or that hormonal problem, okay? Like I mentioned, there are some exceptions. You may want to look at hormones, but you don't want to be using saliva hormone tests because they're absolutely not accurate. Um, and some of you are thinking, well, I did that test and you know I felt better after being treated with this and that natural thing. Well, that could have happened for any reason that you felt better, not because the test was actually accurate, okay? So um, you might say, and it would be fair for you to say this to me, well, Dr. Wald, you know, that's your opinion. I get it. But my opinion is a very qualified one, um, not just based on my educational background, but I did write a 500-page textbook on laboratory work called the Anti-Agent Encyclopedia of Laboratory Tests. And I lectured for years and decades, literally, on uh, all of these tests to doctors across the United States and out of the United States and abroad, okay? So DHEA is one of those hormones that can help maintain the body's lean mass. But if you are a woman or a man with any uh, estrogen-related or testosterone-related health problem, you never wanna take DHEA. DHEA is a hormone that diminishes at about age 30 in most people, and as it declines, the body breaks apart in, in all sorts of ways. And most of the cells in the body have receptors for DHEA, so they need it. So sometimes you can take it and sometimes you cannot. Sometimes I prefer to strengthen a person's adrenal glands in other ways, such as you know, reducing their stress, reducing inflammation, uh, fixing their vitamin C deficiency because vitamin C boosts adrenal function and most of the vitamin C in the body is stored in the adrenal glands. And all of you who listen to the show on a regular basis know about my vitamin C flush te technique for making sure that you are at saturation uh, with vitamin C. And then there's cortisol, there's testosterone, and there's pregnenolone. So these are hormones that I would use either in combination or um, uh, one or the other, depending on the needs of, of the individual, at different times of the day. So timing. Now, we talked about timing of foods, right? How 
Well, actually, maybe we didn't. So, for example, if you're exercising and you're really doing a lot of aerobic work, you should eat some sort of amino acid or protein mixture with carbohydrates within 60 minutes post-workout to help replete your glycogen and balance your blood sugar so that you recover better for the next workout so it's exponentially better each time. So timing matters. You know, after a race that I've done in the past, you know, they give you everything from bananas, bagels to cookies, okay, and, uh, and juice. And you might say, uh, cookies? That's not healthy. Well, it kind, uh, kind of is when you're, you just ran 10 miles and you're hypoglycemic. So there's a time and place for almost everything. And then there's other things about the timing of foods that might matter for different individuals that, for example, and this is a generalization, okay, but I do think this is a very good generalization, that your breakfast should be heavy on the protein from plant sources. Uh, or, um, yes, plant sources which would include, uh, you know, shakes of protein. Because when you're fasting at night, your body becomes catabolic. It starts to break down uh, lean tissue in the body. And that's a cumulative process over the course of time that can cause you to have less lean mass on the body. And in, in, the, in terms of the process of quote unquote normal aging, uh, age uh, gerontologists say that as you lose that lean mass, which that's called sarcopenia, Okay, it's a catabolic breakdown process called sarcopenia. As your lean mass diminishes, all cause morbidity and mortality skyrockets. So because of fasting during sleep for that six, seven, eight, nine hours, it's important to re replete or put back that protein the next day. Okay, and what proteins? Well, it depends on you. So I can't really get into that because I don't know you. Um, so. We talked about hormones, we've talked about inflammation, we've talked about the digestive tract and amino acids and, uh, and, and the nervous system and the mindset and inflammation and what you eat and when you eat it and food timing and combination of foods and food allergies in the digestive process. Wow, this is, the, you know, this is like a seven-day medical symposium on nutrition uh, and, and I'm just so happy to be able to speak to provide this information to people out there who are actually listening to it and loving the information. So that, that's just, that's a great thing. Thank you. Now let's talk about actual exercise for a moment. So exercise is different to different people. People do need, in my opinion, uh, both anaerobic and aerobic exercise and they need weight training. Um, but weight training that's based upon their needs. I sat with a, or I sat with a patient this morning I'm sorry, uh, it was a Zoom call. And uh, during that conversation, she said, well, you know, I can't do any of the things you're talking about because my shoulder uh, is, is hurting and I can't do that. And I said, okay, so we need to talk about how to rehab that. So based upon what we were talking about, and if she were here, I would have examined her shoulder, uh, you know, more differently. But um, then I let her know what exercises she could do with bands, uh, those stretchy bands that she actually could do. Uh, and that will rehab her shoulder to a certain extent that will change things up. So if you've got some ache or pain or something that's chronic or, or acute, that's 
keeping you from doing the fitness that you need to do, you need to have that managed. Don't accept it as fact and that it's not going away. It could be, that could be the case, but it may not be. And since, honestly, folks, in my opinion, medical care is terrible in the United States, uh, most of the time people are not given proper uh, advice. Uh, the people who might refer you to PT, for example, might not understand PT, so they leave it up to the physical therapist, and the physical therapist range in you know, expert, expertness from extremely high to really bad. And that's true in every profession, so I'm not singling uh, physical therapists out. My point is, you've got to manage those problems, uh, musculoskeletal, neuromusculoskeletal, so they don't limit you from getting to the level of health that you need. There's always something that a person can do. So, you know, I tend to um, twist my ankles from time to time when I do trail running. That hurts. <laughs> and when that happens, I need a while to recover. But sometimes I'm able to do a stationary bike. So I just do that. And if I tweak my back, let's say, uh, during weight training or from, who knows, from flying too much, um, then I can do my legs, you see. So you just keep moving, accepting these things that are happening and then circling back around to them. Do not get stopped. Do not get stopped, particularly if you want a level of health that you, that's only in your dreams because the only way it's going to happen for you is if you dream it in a lot of detail, structure your life so it happens. So in my living room, folks, don't make fun of me. In my living room, I have a huge weight system. I don't have to go out. I just literally, it's six feet from me uh, right now, actually. So uh, I'm, because I'm dictating this show or, or recording the show uh, from home. So I've structured my life to support me. And you can do that too. Maybe not to the extent that I have, but something similar. Or you could do exactly what I did, okay? If any of you are curious to know what the system looks like, then uh, email me at info at blooddetective.com. I'll send you a photo of it, okay? So my contact information, again, is the email is info at blooddetective.com. I'd really like to know what you're thinking of these concepts. And uh, you can call me at 914-552-1442. And check out the content on my website at drmichaelwald.com. Okay, we have a little bit of time left. So, as far as the aerobic and aerobic exercise, depending on what your current level of health is, you would want to figure out what your needs are. And then, and like I stressed with food intake and healthy eating that gets you to a level that you're happy with, but then all of a sudden things sort, sort of stop, you have to change things up to match your changing needs. So the very same thing with exercise. Exercise, uh, like, like any other health endeavor or any result that's goal-oriented, and if you need to change bad habits uh, and to make new habits, you have to reinforce, you have to repeat it, you have to do it often, and you have to do it on a regular basis, and hopefully at a specific time during the day, if you can move that out, that's how changes happen. That's how changes happen. And by the way, you don't have to run 10 miles and marathons like I do. You don't have to work out for an hour and a half to two hours, you know, every other day like I do. Uh, I love this. So I, it's my passion. So, that's, so for me, it's, it's, it's joy. And if I don't do it, I'm, I'm not as happy. You might need 25 minutes of, of this, that, or the other thing. 
So the, the key is it has to be doable, has to be relatively enjoyable, and it has to work. You know, in the past shows, I talked about body composition testing. That, that's a test everyone needs. You need it because a body composition test, that's a professional level test that measures upper and lower body at the same time. That is a medical grade tester, not just upper and lower body at the same time that's not medical grade, um, will tell you your metabolic rate and tell you your phase angle and tell you your percentage of muscle, water, and fat and tell you your intra and extracellular water balance because all of those factors are super important and they're very, very important predictors of um, morbidity and mortality, which means disability and death. So the better your body composition, the lower your risks of dying of something that would have killed you a lot earlier, okay? And we know that body composition is the number one biomarker, the number one most important test, more important than cholesterol, more important than hypertension, more important than hemoglobin A1C and ferritin and C-reactive protein and homocysteine and all that. Those are important, but this is more important as an overall biomarker, okay? And then in prior shows, I've done entire conversations, entire shows on the stress response. Briefly, the emotional stress response has to do with an alarm phase where you're reacting to a stress and then your body's like, okay, what do I do with this? What do I do with this? And blood pressure goes up and circulation increases, lymphatic drainage increases and um, there's uh, circulation to the extremities and, and your brain gets more reactive and you, your, your reflexes get faster. That's the alarm stage of the stress reaction. If that were kept up, you'd fly apart. So it's, a, it's a supposed to be a short-term kind of thing. A lot of people carry stress with them, and then they get used to that stress, and that's the adaptation phase. And that's like driving a car super, super fast, but eventually it starts, to, again, to fly apart. And then after that adaptive, that adaptive phase just can't do it anymore, then things start to go into the exhaustion phase, and that's where the diseases start to pop up. But you want to catch this stuff at the alarm phase. Why? Beyond the obvious, I'll just state a different way, is that the earlier you get to a problem and the smaller the problem is, the easier it is to manage, okay? So the stress response can be tested in different, uh, in different ways. I use an autonomic nervous system technology, which uh, is a non-invasive way of measuring the sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous systems in the body, which are the stress response systems, and it helps to target nutrition, lifestyle considerations, and other things for individuals towards not just weight loss, but overall health and well-being. Also, folks, when you're doing anything regarding health, it has to be consistent. If you want to change metabolic habits like slow metabolic rate, which is a habit that your body's taking on, a biochemistry, a way of functioning that's not supporting what you want, you need to make changes and you need to keep them up. You must keep them up. Uh, and if you do, your body will finally adapt to them. Just like a muscle, like your bicep, that you do bicep curls, right? And then it's hard, it's hard. And your bicep is, you know, kind of kind of floppy and it lacks muscle tone and strength. But then you do this enough times, it, the muscle finally wakes up from its old pattern and literally anti-ages itself, okay? Then, what else would you want to consider? The last few factors before or when you are endeavoring to lose weight and be healthy. Well, 
What is your blood sugar balance like? If your blood sugar balance is too high, or if your blood sugar is too low, which is hypoglycemia, and if it's too high, it's hyperglycemia, either one is, a, they're a pro-inflammatory events, they, they have other organs in the body, all organs that depend on glucose, which is the blood sugar, to malfunction in all sorts of ways, hardening arteries, raising blood pressure, promoting uh, inflammation, affecting thinking, affecting uh, how your body can uh, exercise and how your body can uh, um, react to repair. So clearly you wanna fix your blood sugar issues. You wanna fix any blood pressure issues uh, in the context of your exercising. So the exercises that I recommend for patients are always based around initially what their health issues are to bring those weak areas up. And then we add in the factors that will bring the entire body along with it once you've got those weak areas. So whether it's arthritis or whether it's cholesterol or you've got anything, like anything autoimmune, whether it's multiple sclerosis, it's dementia, Alzheimer's disease, Sjogren's syndrome, uh, scleroderma, uh, lupus, uh, rheumatoid arthritis, degenerative disease, uh, uh, celiac disease, inflammatory bowel disease, uh, migraine headaches. I mean, these are all the things I see on a regular rotating basis, and all of them have issues regarding lean body mass and how fat is laid down on the body, and how well your body can manage the burning of fat. And then ultimately, you're, you're basically reinventing yourself. So I wanna just leave you with the last point. If you want to make a change in, in your life and in your body and your well-being, you must state exactly what those improvements are. Write them down on a piece of paper, the mental, emotional things you want to work on, the physical things you want to work on, and everything else. Maybe it's more fine, uh, maybe it's more money or what have you, but whatever it is, whatever draws you to recognize that improving your health will only help you uh, increase the probability of you having everything work out for you. So it is true what they, t they say, you know, without your health, um, a lot, you know, not much else really matters. You know, and also, it's not enough just to take a whole bunch of nutrients. People come to see me, they have these huge bags of nutrients. You would think, you know, if they just would carry these nutrients around with them all the time, they would have huge shoulders and great legs and their hearts would be exercised. So many supplements, right? Look, I take a lot of supplements too, uh, but my point is that they have to be the right supplements for the right person taken at the right time, for the right conditions, tested correctly. That's how health is done. So short summary, we wanna deal with what you're eating, when you're eating it, what foods might be maldigested in you, which you may not know, what's the role of hormones and exercise, maybe we need to focus on your adrenal health, uh, whatever it is that leads up to your weight loss, it has to be distinguished first. Okay, I think we've, we've covered quite a lot about this weight loss solution, and I hope that this conversation has opened up some new concepts or at least reiterated or expanded upon what you already know. So you've heard this a couple of times, so that when you get out there, you're now blood detectives, you're honorary blood detectives, when you're, that new information is, is in your face, it goes through your eyeballs, into your head or into your ears, that you're able to 
lay it on top of this huge, huge base of knowledge that we've just reviewed and be healthy. My name is Dr. Michael Wald. You can reach me at 914-552-1442 and you can email me at info at blooddetective.com. All right, everyone. It's been a real pleasure. Speak with you soon.